You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 448 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. I feel like summer finally arrived here in Northeast Ohio over the weekend. It was like all of a sudden it went like, oh, it's going to be like cool. And then like the 50s. And then one day it was like 95 real feel. Welcome. Yeah. To and we're yeah. one of the uh, lucky people in we are, my husband and I, who live in one of the old Lakewood homes that doesn't have air conditioning. Oh, so. No. It's a little warm. But you guys have like the box things, right? I think mm-hmm. we talked about this. Yeah. We have window units, but. Yeah. Now, here's the question. Do you have one? Because I know you spend all day now in your office. I do not have one in my office. Oh, no, Jill. Oh, <laughs> no. no. I have, um, no, I have a, there's a ceiling fan um, that's blowing right now. And I keep the shades pretty closed. One of the one that seems to get the most sunlight I have closed. Um, mm-hmm. It's not terrible, but it's not ideal. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm sorry. That's rough. I always forget this part about working from home in summer, and I'm like, great, now I get to do it all the time. No air conditioning. Yeah. It'll be great. Yeah. Because I don't know I don't know about anyone listening, but in our office, we don't super know at all when we're going to be going back into it. I mean, we have, like, the base level of an idea of when it might be open, but it sure seems like we're hanging out at our our houses for a long, long time. So Yes. Um. I did find the cave and give myself a, a haircut. My wife helped me. Like I, someone asked me, like, did you go to a barber shop? I'm like, oh no, no, no. That's one of the last <laughs> places I want to go. So did it, did it ourselves. So like we we really were really way into quarantine. Yeah. So, um, all right. Today we're gonna do our monthly roundup of books for June. Yep. Very excited. Uh, there was a lot. How many did you end up picking? Actually, I think I only picked six. I had a, no, wait, one, two, three, four, five, seven. I picked seven. seven. Okay. There were a lot. Um, so I had to be like, I was very particular. Yeah. Okay. I have like 10, but I'll just probably put the rest in the show notes because I'm going to really go through all of them. I don't need to rip off like six books in a row. That's no fun. Um, for people who are relatively new to the podcast, we go through all the books that the two of us are excited about for the upcoming months to kind of preview them. So you can be the first people to jump on the holds list or go pre-order these books and help out the authors if you want to do that. Uh, We will have all of the links in the show notes. We actually got a podcast review this week from someone thanking us for all our show notes, which is very sweet. Um, So that was nice that it's not going unnoticed because (laughs) it does take a lot of time sometimes. So yeah, all of the books will be in the show notes. So the link to overdrive.com so you can get more information about the books um we are going to go back and forth we never tell each other what we've got but we're usually pretty good there's a few that i scrolled past and i was like oh that's a joe book and so we'll see same also there might i might have another one that i didn't put on my list because i didn't know i meant to ask you and i didn't so mm-hmm. we'll just go ahead and wait and see i'll pull yeah. it up just in case <laughs> yeah. oh and then um just because i'm thinking about it we said this for the may books too but just as a heads up all of the books that we picked are 
currently supposed to come out in June, but with everything going on with COVID, um, the publishing world is moving back some books to the fall and, and different stuff like that. So if nothing else, you'll be able to put these on hold super first if they do get pushed back. But um, as of right now, I believe all these are supposed to be coming out. Yeah, I feel like at this point, it's probably, That's but point. just in case. Yeah. Well, I also don't know if our system, like, to be fair, oh, no control true. Also true. We both look at. Um, so, yeah. And then if you want to get a hold of us, professionalbooknerds.overdrive.com. You can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com, and find all the podcast episodes we've ever done. You can even search for specific authors or themes or at ProBookNerds on Twitter and Instagram. Um, so many people are following us on Instagram because of the 30-day book challenge that we made like two years ago. It was a couple years ago, yeah. It's so funny. Like I'll go in there and I'll look at just like how many times we're tagged a day. And it's hilariously crazy. And it's like people from all over the world. It's really fun. It's like languages I can't even comprehend. And so that's fun. So if you're new to the podcast, you are a 30-day book challenge. Hello. I think that's all the housekeeping. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Um, all right. You want to get started? Sure. Oh, well, you have more. You can start. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, okay. So the first one I'm going to do is called Burn by Patrick Ness. Um, so I talked about High Fire by Owen Colfer a couple of months ago, which was a kind of modern day dragon-y book. And this one is also a dragon book. I, I'm also realizing that like Closer to modern day books with dragons in it is also one of my wheelhouse things. Uh, Patrick Nest wrote The Knife of Never Letting Go, which is a very sad series, but he also wrote uh, Monster Calls, which was incredible. Uh, Burn is about, so it's described as on a cold Sunday evening in early 1957, Sarah Dewhurst waited with her father in the parking lot of a Chevron gas station for the dragon he'd hired to help the farm. Uh, so they are outcasts in this little town of Frome, Washington, uh, and they're forced to hire a dragon to work their farm, something that only the poorest of the poor have ever had to resort to do, which is hilarious to me. Uh, the dragon, Casimir, has more than, is more than meets the eye, though, which is the funny thing to say about a dragon who's working on your farm. Uh, Sarah can't help but be curious about him, the animal who supposedly doesn't have a soul, but who's seemingly intent on keeping her safe. I am all for dragons that want to like defend children. I don't know. I just like that was kind of what uh, High Fire was about. And it was one of the best books I've read this year. So really excited. Patrick Ness is um, a really fabulous writer. Did he also write? Um, there's something else that we both loved. I think that he wrote. Yes, I think so. Yeah, it's The Rest of Us Just Live Here. Yeah. Which we have talked about a bunch. Yeah, I saw this and I was like, that's an Adam book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. absolutely. So it yeah, is burned by Patrick Ness. Um, okay, my first one is which one do I want to start with? Okay, I'll start with a uh, Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. I think our coworker Kristen had mentioned that she had an arc of this a while back. I was very, very jealous about it. Um, so after receiving a frantic letter from her newlywed cousin begging for someone to save her from a mysterious doom. Nomi heads to High Place, a distant house in the Mexican countryside. She's not sure what she will find. Her cousin's husband, the handsome Englishman, is a stranger, and Nomi knows little about the region. Nomi is also an unlikely rescuer. She's a glamorous debutante, and her chic gowns and perfect red lipstick are more suited for cocktail parties than amateur sleuthing. But she's also tough and smart, 
and she's not afraid, not of her cousin's new husband, who is both menacing and alluring, not of his father, the ancient patriarch who seems to be fascinated by Nomi, and not even of the house itself, which begins to invade Nomi's dreams with visions of blood and doom. Her only ally in its inhospitable abode is the family's youngest son. Shy and gentle, he seems to want to help Nomi, but might also be hiding dark knowledge of his family's past, for there are many secrets behind the walls of High Place. The family's once colossal wealth and faded mining empire kept them from prying eyes, but as Nomi digs deeper, she unearths stories of violence and madness, and mesmerized by the terrifying yet seductive world of High Place, Nomi may soon find it impossible to ever leave this enigmatic, uh, enigmatic house behind. Yeah, I saw this and I was like, Joe's going to pick this book. It Hello. Looks so yeah, it looks amazing. The cover is really fantastic. It's getting some really good reviews. Um, Pop Sugar said uh, it's a terrifying, well, Kirkus said it's a terrifying twist on classic gothic horror. Sold. Beautiful. Um, it's set in glamorous 1950s Mexico, and Pop Sugar said it's for fans of classic novels like Jane Eyre and Rebecca. Okay, well. <laughs> it's like they wrote it for you. <laughs> I already put this on hold, like, forever ago. <laughs> oh, I, so, a little peek behind the curtain. We have access to books, like, yes, we both use our own public libraries, but if there's a book we both, like, really need to read or really want to read, we can get access to them through back channels and I definitely put a few books on hold on our like overdrive personal library yesterday like before we even did this I sent an email yeah. to the person I was like here's five books I want to read please put them on hold for me um well see with the whole like yeah I guess that's true but I'm always like when I put stuff on hold it's always with hold read delivery I don't have to worry about it anymore like I'd always like would come in at a time when I can't read it and I'm like oh no I'll just wait until later it's great yeah. so I just put stuff on hold whenever yeah, I also put them on, on hold on in the library. I'm just an impatient boy. Really oh, yeah, no, I understand. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I do that, too. They eventually yeah. get the sort for me. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. So my next one is actually one of those ones that I like. It's like all caps sent our friend Megan an email. I was like, please get this for me. Uh, the Angel of Crows by Catherine Addison. So Catherine Addison wrote The Goblin Emperor. And when I was interviewing Holly Black, who is like, a queen of writing about goblins and fairies and everything she told me she's like the goblin emperor is the best goblin book i've ever read so i read it and she was absolutely right uh and so i got very excited when i saw that Catherine addison had a new book coming out so the angel of crows is and you act this might be up your alley too uh a fantasy novel of an alternate 1880s london where killers stalk the night and the ultimate power is naming so um it starts off by being described as this is not the story that you think it is uh, these are not characters that you think they are. And this is not a book you are expecting. So I, I like I like that already. So it's an alternate 1880s London. And Angel Jack in- Ripper London, right? Oh, and yeah. there's literally the last the last sentence of the description is Jack Ripper stalks the streets of London too. Um, excellent, so, excellent. So it's an alternate 1880s London, and angels inhabit every public building, and vampires and werewolves walk the street with human beings in well in a well regulated truce. A fantastic utopia, except for a few things. Angels can fall, and the fall is like a nuclear bomb in both the physical and metaphysical worlds, and human beings remain human with all of their kindness and greed and passions and murderous intent. So there's Jack the Ripper, but the London all, but London also has an angel, and it's the Angel of Crows. There's so much going on here, but it's got monsters, it's got murderers, it's got what I can only assume is kind of like a steampunk. Yeah, I can see you grabbing your phone. Are you putting this on hold right now? <laughs> I see. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, I, yeah, I put this one on hold on uh, 
on our local library. But yeah, the Angel of uh, the Angel of the Crows by Catherine Addison. And again, if you're looking for something um, like rich and world building and uh, about like kind of fairies and goblins and like different types of elves and things like that, the Goblin Emperor is just like it's it's like Game of Thrones but with elves and goblins. So that's that's her other book. But yeah, the Angel of the Crows. I'm so excited for. I mean, okay, well, to like totally distract from this current conversation, speaking of goblins, do we yeah. want to talk about that? We, like, yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's I, do it. I'm, I don't understand the point. <laughs> like, yeah. Perfect. You want to give some people some context? <laughs> yeah. So there was a thing that went out. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday. So on Tuesday, there was a news piece that, news piece that was circulating that they're in the works of making a sequel to Labyrinth. And I just don't understand why, because it's not even like you can like even hope for a David Bowie cameo. So what's the point? I mean, yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I so my as everyone knows, I love all things Jim Henson. It's like any new content that they're making that's Henson related. I am cautiously optimistic for. So I know Jim, um, Brian and Lisa Henson, who are Jim Henson's yes. children, are involved. But like you said, Jim Henson's gone. David Bowie's gone. I did. There were some fun conversations yesterday about who could be the Goblin King. That and like that, I would actually, that yeah. I will accept if like somehow Jennifer Connelly, like as Sarah as an adult, was the Goblin King I mean, yeah. or Queen or whatever. I'd be like, all right. Well, I also saw um, people were like, "What about Janelle Monae?" And I did see that as well. Yes. And I was joking with someone. I said Tilda Swinton could be pretty good. She would. And yeah. then I made a, a joke that no one on Twitter seemed to enjoy, which was Ben Schwartz, who plays John Ralphio in Parks and Rec. And I just think he's like, he's on the Middleditch and Schwartz thing that's on Netflix and he's on a bunch of stuff. And I just think he's hilarious, but he has no point. But yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a point to having it, but that said, I will still watch it. And eh, We'll see. I'm not sure. So, but this is the perfect time to tell people that even if something new comes out that is related to a thing you love, it doesn't ruin the thing you love. You can still That's love. very true. You can still love. Have. That is yes. true. Because there's another thing that came out. Okay. Anyway, there's a lot of things that came out this week yes. that were new things that whatever. Okay. My next one. <laughs> my next one is uh, Engagement in Espionage by Penny Reed. <gasps> Penny. So, yeah. So this is one that she talked to, she mentioned this to us while ago not even like the last time i don't think i think the time before that um this is her it is a mystery um i think like cozy style mystery featuring cletus and jen who if you've read her her uh, winston brothers series they are the couple from um beard science so they're both very quirky and really wonderful ways um they're probably my favorite couple of all the Winston brothers. And so, yeah, Cletus and Jen are now going to be solving mysteries. Yeah. I mean, like, what else do you need? So, yeah, Engagement and Espionage by Penny Reed. She just bring her on. Do you, do you know, like, if that comes, I mean, I know you're just looking at it, like, as the month. Do you know if it comes out earlier or later in the month? I don't remember. Maybe we'll just, maybe I'll just email Penny and be like, do you want to come talk to us? We need people to come on in June. Um. Do you have Home Before Dark by Riley Sager on your list? No. Okay, this felt like a both of us book, so I wanted to check in. So Home Before Dark by Riley Sager. Uh, it is kind of a, it seems, there's like a whole bunch going on here. It is a woman who returns to her house made famous by her father's best-selling horror memoir. Um, so 
What? Somehow I missed that one. Yeah. Um, it's this quest where she's trying to figure out if the house is really haunted by evil forces uh, or if it's more like a earthbound danger hidden in the walls. So uh, the lead character's name is Maggie and she's been all of her life been getting these questions about like, what was it like? What was it like living in this haunted house? And um, it's very similar to the Amityville horror and popularity, like the story that her father wrote. And um, now Maggie is a restorer of old homes. And uh, she's too young to really remember anything that went on in her father's book. But she also like doesn't believe any of it. Um, she doesn't believe in ghosts. And so when she inherits this house, which is called Bainberry Hall, after her father's death, she returns to kind of renovate it and just wants to sell it. And then lo and behold, haunted house story happens and she has to try to figure out what's going on in there. So yeah, there's another one like, um, it sounds to me a lot like um, Haunting on Hill House. Mm-hmm. So I'm very in for that. So Home Before Dark by Riley Sager. Plus it has a really good, um, the, the cover is like dark The green cover is very cool. With yeah, like a chandelier, I, yeah. Yeah, I put it on hold. Um, Riley's books all seem to have sort of a, a very similar vibe to them. Um, yeah, because she's is, um, Final Girls. Lock Every Door. The last time I lied. So there's, there like, I guess, like, each one um, has sort of, like, a color theme to it. So, like, Lock Every Door is pink, Final Girls is red, and this is green. So if you're familiar with Riley, the cover of Riley's books, it's it's very much in line with the other ones. But it's this, yeah, bright green. It's very cool. Oh, yeah. She, I wonder, it'd be very soothing to have all of her books next to each other. I, don't <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> That's what I mean. And, like, I have to say, though, also, for someone who only has four books out, to already have a publisher who, like, themes their books covers like that is awesome. pretty impressive. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Um, okay. Which one do I want to go with next? Um, let's see. Okay. The Vanishing Half by Brit, Brit Bennett. Um, so this is about um, a pair of twin sisters. They grew up together in a small Southern black community and then they ran away at age 16. But now that they're adults, um, their lives have, you know, diverged uh, drastically. Um, many years later, one sister lives with her black daughter in the same southern town she once tried to escape. The other secretly passes for white, and her white husband knows nothing of her past. Still, even though they are separated by so many miles and just as many lives, the fates of the twins remain intertwined. And what will happen to the next generation when their own daughter's stories intersect? So this, um, weaves together multiple generations from the deep south to Carol, uh, California from the 1950s and 1990s. I love books that sort of, you know, cross those multi-generations and connect back to each other in some way. So I'm really excited for this one. Yeah. Um, I have one kind of like that, that I'm waiting and talk about because I think you might have it only because it was described as similar to, yeah, Jassy. So I'm waiting. Oh, yeah. I, yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> Unless, there might be more than one, but That's I'm true. assuming I have that one. <laughs> I'm thinking you do too. Um, my next one is Heroes by Stephen Fry. So uh, I'm sorry and I apologize to the listener who sent the email, but somebody told me to listen to uh, Mythos by Stephen Fry which is the Greek myths kind of like reimagined, retold by Stephen Fry. And I'm listening to the audiobook right now. I'm really sorry. I can't remember who it was, but 
I'm loving it. It's so fun. I, I listened, started it yesterday and I was listening to it all morning and it's Stephen Fry. So just, you know, he's not only is an incredible author, but he's one of the best narrators you're going to find. Um, and of course he narrates his own book. It'd be really funny if Stephen Fry wrote a book and then didn't narrate himself. I mean, that'd be <laughs> like, really like hilarious. He was like, no, actually Bonnie Turpin's going to do this one for me. I um, mean, I'd listen. Still but... listen. Yeah, exactly. But um, Mythos is, it's really cool because he's telling all the Greek myths, but he's doing it with like modern language so you can understand. So like there's a part where he's like, yeah, these people had like a hundred children. I'm not going to reference all of them because you're not going to remember this anyway. Like he just like says funny things in there. So Heroes is the follow-up to that. So um, he moves from the Olympian gods, which is what Mythos is all about, all about, and then moves to the deeds of all like the mortal heroes. So like Perseus, Jason, Atalanta, Theseus, Heracles. Um, so I, you don't really need to like talk about it that much because if you are familiar with Greek myths and you know and mythology in general, it would just be me repeating things you probably know. But it's Stephen Fry, and I would again much like. Um, mythos i would recommend the audiobook with anything he writes because he's just really fun and it's delightful so plus it's like little chunk i'm assuming this is very similar to the first one where it's like almost like little chunks of stories like um mm-hmm. neo games north mythology was the same way where like you could get like a whole chunk of this story about this particular thing that happened in the greek mythology and then you can kind of like pause it and go about your day without feeling like you're gonna forget something so yeah heroes is coming out this this month so if you haven't listened to mythos do that and then get this one too. Uh, my next one is Conventionally Yours by Annabeth Albert. So this is about um, two, it's, it's an enemies to lovers, I believe, love story, which I'm very, I always love those. So there's um, charming, charismatic, and effortlessly popular. Oh yeah, those guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Conrad Stewart seems to have it all, but in reality, he's scrambling to keep his life from tumbling out of control. Then there's brilliant, guarded, and endlessly driven Alden Roth, and he may as well be the poster boy for perfection, but he can't help but feel a little broken inside. So these two are stuck together on a cross-country road trip to a big fan convention, and um, because of this, their sort of infamous rivalry has to take a back seat, but when they get there... Each of them has a reason to try and win the upcoming Odyssey gaming tournament, and neither is willing to let emotions get in the way, even if it means giving up their chance at something truly magical. Well, okay, sure. I'm guessing we can guess how it ends. Anyway, but (laughs) so very set. So like, I'm really excited for this one. It's getting some good buzz. Um, Back in, I want to say like early March or end of February, our coworker Alexis had an arc of this and asked me if I wanted it. And I was like, yes, please. And so I grabbed it and then I left it in my cube. Oh, chill. <laughs> Two and a half months ago. I know. I'm very sad. I could have been reading it already. And I left the book um, in my cube because I was like, oh, well, I'll get it. Mm-hmm. I'll be back eventually. Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Um, I will say, so that book and Annabeth, um, Overdrive is doing this thing with Sourcebooks and Sourcebooks Casablanca specifically, who is their romance uh, arm. Um, and it's called Head Over Heels Romance, which, fun fact, Adam doesn't know how to spell heels. Uh, Jill had to edit a blog for me and she's like, hey, did you mean to spell this the wrong way every time in your, in your copy? Awkward. Awkward. Um, but the second book in the series, basically what it is, is Sourcebooks is making a bunch of romance titles uh, available to library, to Overdrive partner libraries, uh, pretty cheap and for like sim use. And uh, there, a lot of the libraries are doing some curation of the collection. It's called Head Over Heels. You might see it in your libraries. <laughs> uh, 
Overdrive website. This is all to say, uh, Conventionally Yours is the next book in, in the series and it's available on June 2nd. So you'll probably see it for sim use. And um, I think I or both of us are going to do a conversation with Annabeth at some point on Zoom, which it sounds I, right. I, I don't, don't remember. Be. But uh, she did the Overdrive account tweeted this out because um, one of the things that all the authors are doing over the head over heels thing is they're doing our nerd nine questions and they're like recording videos of themselves and she did one that the overdrive uh account tweeted and i i think we retweeted yeah i retweeted it and um it's adorable like she not only talks about all the answers all the questions but she has like books that she talks about and like she holds up the books and it's just um it's very delightful so that's on twitter um she seems very very delightful so um my next one is called The Court of Miracles by Kester Grant. Uh, it's young adult fantasy, so right up my my alley and uh, more specifically my wife's like genre of, of stuff that she loves. Eventually, I will stop recommending YA books that are like The Court of Something and Something, but they keep Fine. sounding awesome. Yeah, so this one is described as Les Mis meets Six of Crows. <laughs> and like, I okay. stopped reading at that point yeah. and put it on the list because it sounds fabulous. Um, but it's this violent urban jungle of an alternate 1828 Paris. A lot of alternate 1800s uh, books this month. Uh, the French Revolution has failed and the city is divided between merciless royalty and nine underworld criminal guilds known as the Court of Miracles. Uh, and then it just seems to be that all of the different Court of Miracles have their own person that represents them. There's the Thieves Guild and there's just a whole bunch of stuff going on. Long story short, it's Les Mis means Six of Crows, and that was where I stopped reading about it. So The Court of Miracles sounds fabulous. It's a really great cover. I sent it to our coworker, Andrea, who has been on quite frequently. Um, and the, co the cover is, like, gorgeous, and it looks very French with, like, the gold filigree and, like, all sorts of very elaborate, um, like, ironwork and stuff. So, yeah, I am, I'm in on this. And like I said, I, I didn't really read much didn't do much research on it. I was just like, yeah, I want to read that. So, Court of Miracles. Um, okay, I think this is the one you were talking about, and it's A Burning. Yeah. By, okay, by Mega Mod... I think it's Mega Majubadar. So this, yeah, so it is for fans of Tommy Orange and Yaa Jesse. I love me some Yaa Jesse, as we all know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jiminy is a Muslim girl from the slums determined to move up in life who is accused of executing a terrorist attack on a train because of a careless comment on Facebook. P.T. Sir is an opportunistic gym teacher who hitches his aspirations to a right-wing political party and finds that his own ascent becomes linked to Jiminy's fall. Lovely, an irresistible outcast whose exuberant voice and dreams of glory fill the novel with warmth and hope and humor, has the alibi that can set Jiminy free, but it will cost her everything she holds dear. So, yeah, it's about these three characters who all sort of seek to rise to various things, and they find their lives all entangled um, in the wake of a catastrophe in contemporary India. And it's a debut, which is pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. And I'm, it also has a very cool cover. Um, so I'm very excited for that one. Yeah, I, when I saw that, I was like, I'm going to put this on just in case. But yeah. um, I have another one that I think is very much a Jill book, but also it was like super deep in the list. So I don't know if you got to this one. So um, Agnes at the End of the World by no. Kelly McWilliams. I don't think so. All right. The I know pretty deep too, but apparently not that deep. Yeah, The Handmaid's Tale meets Wilder Girls. Oh, okay, uh, well. So here, okay, so check this out. It's 
about this girl, Agnes, who she is trying really, really hard to escape a cult, only to realize when she finally escapes the cult and goes into the outside world, there is a viral apocalypse going on in the outside world. (laughs) So she's in this, yeah, she loves her hometown of Red Creek. um, And like she is cares for her younger siblings and she follows the laws like these strict strict laws of the town um she doesn't realize that red creek is a cult controlled by this madman who calls himself the prophet and so then one day she meets this person named danny who's an outsider boy and begins to question like what is and isn't a sin and all this stuff so like for example her younger brother uh needs insulin once a month and so she barters with it but medicine is considered a sin and so she's like, am I a sinner for saving his life? Or what's going on with all of this? Is my sister a sinner for like dreaming of a world beyond Red Creek? Uh, and so this prophet keeps growing more dangerous. And Agnes is like, all right, well, I got to escape. And then when she escapes, everything outside of their little tiny cult situation is a viral pandemic that is like nice. destroying the population. So um, there's just like so much. And I guess it feels felt more like a Jill book than a me book because it's dark and then it seems to get darker but it also not, seems- yeah I somehow missed that one yeah it also just seems super interesting so yeah that's Agnes at the end of the world my next one is Last Tang Standing by Lauren Ho um so this is Crazy Rich Asians meets Bridget Jones's Diary mm-hmm. which again I was like I don't really think I need to know anymore. <laughs> um, so at 33, Andrea Tang is living the dream. She has a successful career as a lawyer, a posh condo, and a clutch of fun-loving friends who are always in the know about Singapore's hottest clubs. All she has to do is make law partner and her life will be perfect. And if she's about to become the lone unmarried member of her generation in the Tang clan, well, she doesn't need a man to complete her. Yet when a chance encounter with charming, wealthy entrepreneur Eric Dang offers her a glimpse of an exciting, limitless future, Andrea decides to give Mr. Wright for her family a chance. Too bad her office rival and the last man her family would approve of keeps throwing a wrench in her plans. Now she can't help but wonder, in this endless tug of war between pleasing others and pleasing herself, is there room for everyone to win? That just sounds so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds really, really fun. Um... My next one is The Order of the Pure Moon Reflected in Water by Zen Cho. Uh, So this, the beginning of the description is a bandit walks into a coffee house and it all goes downhill from there. Uh, So Gwet Im is a young votary of the Order of the Pure Moon and she joins up with an eclectic group of thieves, whether they like it or not, in order to protect a sacred object and finds herself in a far more complicated situation than she ever imagined. So actually kind of a lot like Six of Crows, like it sounds very much like a, um, like Ocean's Eleven-y type. Uh, there's a group of villains, but they have to protect something and they have to go on the run to do so. Um, it is a combination of old school martial arts movies and characters who have been drawn from the margins of history who maybe haven't gotten their proper due. So really, really excited about this. Again, another just like gorgeous cover, um, The Order of the Pure Moon Reflected in Water by Zen Cho. Okay. I, okay. So I have one book, but I also have another one that I feel like you probably don't have. Do you have Connie's book on here? I left it off because I thought you would have it on yours. All right. Then I will do Connie's book next. So um, that was the one I was like, I don't know if he's going to put it on or not. Okay. So the Daughters of Erie Town is by Connie Schultz, um, who is somewhat of a local, local celebrity, Mm -hmm. sort of. Yeah. She writes, um, she had a column 
in Plain Dealer for a while. She's also married to Sharon Brown, but that's like the least interesting thing about her. So um, <laughs> nothing against Sharon, but that- <laughs> we love Sharon too. But <laughs> that's such a funny way of saying that. But you're right. The fact that Connie Schultz is married to Sherry Brown is, yeah, like the least interesting thing about her. Okay, so um, she has a novel out, The Daughters of Erie Town, set in Clayton Valley, Ohio in 1957. Ellie has the best grades in her class. Her dream is to go to nursing school and marry Brick McGinty. Also, Brick is like the most 1957 name ever. I love it. <laughs> so <laughs> Brick is a basketball star. And he has the chance to escape his abusive father and become the first person in his blue-collar family to attend college. But when Ellie learns that she's pregnant, everything changes. Just as Brick and Ellie revise their plans and build a family, a knock on the front door threatens to destroy their lives. So the evolution of women's lives spanning the second half of the century is at the center of this beautiful novel that richly portrays how people know and pretend not to know about the secrets at the heart of a town and a family. So, yes, please. That yeah. sounds great. Yeah, she's wonderful. Um, okay, so do you have the guest list on yours? I did not put it on, no. Okay. Surprisingly. So, but yes, so the guest list by Lucy Foley. Um, this is another, this is like a combination of the two of us. Uh, so the I don't, we probably don't need to promote this too much because Lucy Foley is gonna, like, people are going to find that um, but so there's this island off the coast of Ireland and there's a guest gathering to celebrate two people who are joining their wives together. Um, the groom is a handsome and charming rising television star. The bride is a smart and ambitious magazine publisher. Uh, it's a wedding for a magazine or for a celebrity, everything like everyone's all excited about this. Uh, and as fate would have it, the cell phone service is quite spotty. So they don't have the ability to call out and then wouldn't you know it, uh, somebody ends up dead. And so then it becomes very much like an Agatha Christie style novel where they have to figure out who's doing what and who's responsible for this. And um, there's the, I love this New York Times book review. Uh, it evokes the great Agatha Christie classics and you should pay attention to seemingly throwaway details about the characters pasts. They are all clues. I love that. I love knowing in advance, like, yeah, the stuff that you don't think is going to matter super matters. So Anything Always how it works. Yeah. Always so how it works. The guest list by Lucy Foley. <laughs> and it's the subtitle is You'd Kill to Be On It. So yeah, I feel like that was one of those books. I've like I've talked about so many thrillers over the past several months. I'm gonna not <laughs> mention this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so my last one is Blue Ticket by Sophie McIntosh. So <laughs> oh, this is all right, so <laughs> So, so Callan knows how the lottery works. Everyone does. On the day of your first bleed, you report to the station to learn what kind of woman you will be. Oh, no. <laughs> We're going to end it out on a really uplifting one. <laughs> a white ticket grants you marriage and children. A blue ticket grants you free- a career and freedom. You are relieved of the terrible burden of choice. And once you've taken your ticket, there's no going back. What if the life you're given is the wrong one? Um. <laughs> so uh, Kala is given a blue ticket and then she begins to question her fate and she must go on the run but her survival will be dependent on the very qualities the lottery has taught her to question in herself and on the other women the system is pitted against her <sighs> it sounds so good but also not really happy so yeah. fair warning but 
Um, there you go. Blue yeah. ticket. Sophie um, McIntosh. Oof, my goodness. <laughs> All right, uh, I have one more as well. So The Voyage of the Morning Light by Marina Endicott. Uh, so this is, speaking of sweeping novels, this is a sweeping novel uh, based on a Nova Scotian merchant ship, merchant ship that is sailing through South Pacific in 1912. I have a real, like, there's like a whole specific time frame that I'm, I'm going to be reading throughout June. Uh, so Kay and Thea are half-sisters. They're separated in age by almost 20 years, but they're ridiculously close to each other. Uh, when their stern father dies, Thea travels to Nova Scotia for her long-promised marriage to the captain of the Morning Light, but she can't abandon her orphaned younger sister. So Kay, too, embarks on a life-changing journey to the other side of the world. Uh, at the heart of the voyage of the morning light is a crystallizing moment in Micronesia. Thea, still mourning a miscarriage, forms a bond with a young boy from a remote island and takes him on board as her own son. And over time, the repercussions of this act force Kay, who considers the boy her brother, to examine her own assumptions, which are increasingly at odds with those of the society around her about what is forgivable and what is right. Uh, so this is inspired by a, a true story, but just I love a long sleeping journey type of a story and i also as people know i love anything on a ship love love books on a ship um so this sounds really really good um so that's the voyage of the morning light by maria endicott and marina endicott sorry and um that's all our books there's a whole lot of them a lot of books yeah a lot of dark a lot of dark stuff in june it seems that's fine it's okay i think that's more of a us picking books as opposed to I think so too yeah um anything else people should know about that you can think of I don't think so I don't think so either um and if for the past like three minutes you've heard uh buzzing in the background there's people choosing choosing to uh do some yard work out my window so I don't know if that's picking up or not but um okay well, I hope you guys enjoyed this June books edition of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.